Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Elisa Stolman, and I'm a staff writer at Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Teeny. In the years since she started DJing in her hometown of Munich in the early 2000s, Teeny has witnessed many changes in electronic music. Although she had no plans of becoming a DJ, throughout her career, Teenie's skills have consistently drawn the attention of top promoters and labels. She made her debut in Ibiza around 2007 and in 2010 launched her own Teenie and the Gang residency. At the time, commercialization was transforming the island's club scene, which ultimately elicited a crackdown against her free party from local authorities. In conversation, we covered highlights from her career as a producer and DJ, the recent birth of her own record label and the effects of corporate pinkwashing of LGBTQ plus culture in the dance music industry. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange. The Exchange with Teeny is up next. office in Berlin. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Um, we'd like to start by just talking about an overview of your career. Well, um, I started DJing quite early without ever knowing that this could turn out as my job later in the days. Around 16 years old, I would say, with hip-hop music at home. I bought records and um, all my friends were hip-hop DJs back then and participating also at the ITF and stuff. So, so scratching at home and hanging out was a, was a big thing. I was not so good in it though. But um, Where's home, by the way? Uh, home is in Munich. I'm, I'm born and raised in Munich. And so how old were you when you started scratching? Well, um, yeah, I would say 16, 17 years old, something like that. But it was really just a hobby and um, just love for music. And yeah. Did that ever change to an intention to make it more than a hobby? Or is that something that developed? It's absolutely something that developed. I had no idea that all this going to happen. And, and yeah, I never, never even dreamt of a career as a DJ and especially not in the size of how it is today and the music that I play today. So yeah, it completely started off very different. So then what was perhaps the first step in making this a career rather than a hobby? Well, 
it was just really the love for the music and going out and just discovering electronic music. Um, back in the days, I used to snowboard a lot every weekend almost, and then I broke my spine. So that lead to less time in the mountains, more time in the clubs, um, which now turns out quite well for me. So um, I always collected music and well, in the beginning it was hip hop, then later on a bit more electronic music. And I just played for myself or, or at home mixing, mixing, matching music. And um, it was actually in an after party of friends um, where no one wanted to play and um, I said I could play and they were looking at me like okay and it wasn't even my records because I had like maybe 30 records electronic music by the time and not with me so I just started playing with my my friends records and um, turned out to a five hour set and everyone was like okay what is this who is she <laughs> <laughs> and um, then happened that I right away after got offered um, to play warm-up in a club back then in Munich, The Garden, who was run, or uh, one night was run by the friends that I was playing the after party at. Let's say for the underground scene, was a bit more in the techy, open direction, but there was really cool artists playing back in the days as well. I remember playing with Dinky and Tobi Neumann, Karotte had his 24-hour parties there, and... Um, But uh, I think the main club for the music that I would play now was definitely Flucati back then and Harry Klein. But it was, for me, a very important club. It was all about fun. It wasn't taking itself too serious. And um, they offered me very, very soon um, my own party called Teeny All Night Long. And um, for the first one, I had to go to the record shop because I didn't know how to manage to play a whole night because for, for the first seven years I didn't play any CDs or anything because I didn't know how it works and um, yeah they, they just literally threw me into my career more or less but I, I never thought this would take off as it did and um, yeah one one gig lead to the other one show to the other and um, yeah the people were talking about it the DJs were talking about it and um, then yeah slowly I started moving around uh, away from Munich and um, playing gigs outside uh, Munich or Rosenheim or Ulm or fancy places like that was really cool like really really fun times and then um, my first booking outside of Germany was then in Bilbao I don't remember exactly the year but yeah so so it, it was very natural because um, I had a normal job back then and well, what's, what was what's that? considered a normal yeah. job <laughs> sorry yeah. day job. but let's say um, <clears throat> a day job an office job um, I used to work for um, Disney Channel I did um, before that my apprenticeship at ProSieben Sat1 like quite big TV stations in Germany and, and partly Europe. I learned um, audio me media designer for audio and video technique. So basically everything you need to learn to, to produce TV, audio lightning and uh, production, direct directing. There was uh, production, like there was all parts. And um, my love was definitely the, the editing, the montage. So how I, long did you work there? I think for Disney 
channel then well it was not disney itself we worked uh, we 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 did a product for or a show we produced a show for disney channel called bini kwebit children's tv so i worked like four years for them i think yeah and so when did you transition from having a day job to working purely as a dj that um was way longer uh, 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 way way further in because I wanted to make sure that I can sustain myself. Do you say that? Support. I, yeah, let's say, yeah. Because Live off of when, it. when I saw that all is going quite well with the music and and um, I'm, I'm earning money with something that I love, um, it felt too good to be true. So I stretched out working normal jobs as long as possible because I didn't want to uh, rely on, on bookings and then in the end, perhaps have to take bookings that I don't want to or that I don't feel just to pay my rent. So I worked as long as possible, actually Monday to Friday editing and the weekends DJing. And that was a couple of years, I would say, because I free I started freelancing then. So I'm, I'm very vague with dates and stuff. <laughs> so I should... I'm always interested in this moment, though, when... Um when people who now support themselves as career DJs saw that as a possibility. Um, and so was there a moment or a period in time where you were like, this might be possible and it started to seem more real? And what did that feel like? It felt absolutely amazing because that's uh, a total dream that you you do something that you love so much. It's my passion. I just love music more than anything. And... To see that I possibly could cut off my job. So I did it like step by step, I would say. And then I took the freelance jobs and then from from five days per week, then slowly I cut down and then I saw how it goes. But I was I was super worried for a long time um, because you never really know how is this going. I didn't know that my career would last that long and, and go off as it does, more than I ever dreamed of. So I try to to save as much money as possible to also survive if I don't have bookings for a month or two. But uh, somehow that never happened. So I'm ultra lucky, I would say. When you quit then, were you already playing every weekend? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And around Europe, had you been overseas? Yeah, around Europe and, um, well, let's say... Um, in Munich, back then, I played also for a club called Prinzip and um, I was already traveling to Ibiza back then, just discovered the island and was listening to Dice and Tanya Vulcano and, and Sven and everyone. And then it happened that they asked me if I want to do the warm-up um, for Loco Dice back then. How and did you meet him? That was there, actually. Okay. So As a clubber or as an artist? Well, I saw playing? him as a clubber in Ibiza, and uh, my friend Tessa, she introduced me to him briefly. It was super short, like, hey, yeah, nice to meet you. Oh, yeah, play music to her. And, you know, now I know how it is when mm -hmm. someone is it's nice, but you're like, okay. <laughs> so, But he was super sweet, and then later... Yeah, I got this uh, request to to open for him, and I was of course super nervous. And um, yeah, I I played my set, and then he started, and he was like, you know what, we're gonna play back to back later. And I was like, oh my god, okay. So yeah, he said it, and we did it, and then we we finished the night playing back to back together. Back then, he had his uh, manager also with him, and they they approached me after, reached out to me, and. Um, 
later asked me to join the agency, which then lead to more international gigs together with Dice. So I was, I was touring quite a while with him. And this would this have been like late 2000s or early 2010s? Yeah, it was around 2007-ish, I'd say. Okay, and what year was the? did you put out your first record? My first record was in 2009. It was That's Right on a sampler for Desolate back then. When did you start making music? It was around the time, actually, 2007, eight-ish. Also just playing around. I mean, I, I had uh, a computer program when I was a kid, but it doesn't really count. It was uh, called drums, and you could set uh, ones and zeros, and it would hit a note or not, and yet several instruments and could create some, some rhythms, but you could mm. never save them. So... Technically, I started when I was very young, but um, to really get into the material, my first program was Fruity Loops and then I had uh, Reason and I was just playing around, fooling around and um, later I moved on to Ableton. I don't know if there's too much name dropping here, <laughs> but that made uh, uh, the, the entrance in the production quite easy and then I got some gear and all this and then uh, realized I, I really like it but um, it's uh, it's it's something I really love and do on the side but there's probably better producers than me like I have gotten the sense that like I think of you as more of a DJ than a producer which isn't to say that I don't like your productions or you're not good at it but just that you're pr I primarily think of you when as an artist as a DJ and that yeah. se and it seems like you DJ more than you produce anyway. Absolutely. It's also more my personality, I'd say. So I have a hard time sitting still. So, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, forcing creativity is also not so easy. And having little time in the studio then to have a great outcome is not always possible. But, um, yeah, I definitely live for being on the road and being a DJ way more than the studio. Do you find that those are two very different parts of your brain that can be hard to mesh sometimes too, or can you mix them pretty easily? In I the don't course of a find day? it super hard. Let's say um, I get inspired by so much music, and then there's stuff that I hear that might influence the way that I produce also, or that I, I don't know, influences of 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 styles and sounds um, that I pick up but then again I also have a complete different style of producing than how I play and not uh, so I, I can't really say it's, it's somehow merging and somehow not at all I don't know how to put this that makes sense as an answer <laughs> <laughs> <It's> okay <laughs> but it's it's not that it's completely separate for me it's um because oftentimes I sit in my studio and, and I make some beats and then as a stop I just start listening to records again. So it's it's more, yeah. But I, Is I, it important to you to make music that you would also want to DJ? Um, well, it comes in handy <laughs> if you do so. But no, I, I do a lot of down-tempo stuff as well and, and there's even some cheesy tracks as well, I would say, with vocals, singing, and more almost romantic, probably, that I might never release, but <laughs> my friends like them. But I do also try to, to make tracks that I play in a club. So lately, um, it's a bit more, so I have a, a good uh, two handful of, of tracks that I actually play out a lot of my sets, and yeah, and uh, three of them are coming out on my label now, so, so yeah. 
Your label is something you started recently, right? Yeah, it's uh, in the absolute making. I've been talking about it forever, so people were already like, "Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> that label." So it's uh, it's happening. It has uh, everything ready, and the test pressing arrived. I pick it up today. Actually, I'm really excited. So, um, so will it be your record that's the inaugural release yeah. on it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's three tracks of mine, and uh, my my friend Mr. G offered uh, a remix and. Uh, how could I say no? I'm a super fan of his for years, and yeah, also it's a really, really amazing person and artist. So um, I'm very excited to have him for my first release as a remixer. And moving forward, will you, will this label mostly be used for your own productions, or are you releasing other people as well? No. So the name of uh, 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 the label is part of the Gang Records, which. Um, says it quite uh, uh, clear already it's supposed to be for the gang and of course I will release on it um, but it's not meant to be my label and I'm gonna release so for me it's very much more interesting to to give a platform to the other artists that also play for me or don't even play for me but that I like or that they're gonna play for me or that they're friends and to have a non-conform label because Usually it's important to have a certain style and I guess we will have somewhat of a style, but I could imagine also to, to release an absolutely non-club EP or whatever. So now the, the first few releases that are planned, they're going to be more clubby and from artists all around the world. People I met during the years, artists I met and, and yeah, just music that I personally like and 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 people who you have also at your teeny and the gang parties and that sort of thing as yes, well. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, just to quickly get back into the bio a Sorry. little bit. <laughs> so let's talk about then your first album. Um, when when did you start working on that album and uh, why? And um, when did it come out? What's the story with that album? The funny thing is, it never was planned to be an album. I never thought this is going to happen because as you said uh, I, my first release was in 2009 it was one track and then well I just um, made music I I went to Ibiza for a season in 2010 and uh, I brought some equipment and I just started sitting there with shitty uh, small uh, computer desk speakers and uh, not really adjustable bass and was mostly sitting there with my headphones and just um making music but with without any idea back then where it's gonna go so there was no special influence or no style that I wanted to follow I was I think way more free from the head and the way I produce than I am now that I know more about genres and and I was yeah I was very I don't know the word in English but yeah well free from any prejudice or, or ideas expectations of, yeah expectations exactly so yeah, I just made all this music and then at some point Dice was like, so do you have anything to release maybe? Do you want to participate on, on the sampler? And I'm like, yeah, I have a few tracks. So I sent him a package of 16 tracks and didn't hear back for quite a while. And then at some point he called me, he's like, I'm, I'm with Martin, Martin Butrich in the studio and um, we're listening to your album for, for the second time. <laughs> and I almost dropped the phone. I was like, what, what are you talking about? Well, yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, funny joke. He's like, no, no, no. This is real. We would love to make an album with you. We love the tracks. They they fit together. It, it tells a story. This is you. And you have a very, very own sound. And um, yeah, let's do this. So 
das war dann 2011. Das Album kam out called Tessa, dedicated to my friend who introduced, show, yeah, she introduced me to Dice and the Island back then. And was also with with me and all my first gigs everywhere, always coming with me, biggest support and love of life, best friend. So clearly Ibiza has been a big part of your career and your story and a big influence for you. Absolutely, because um, later uh, in, in 2010, no, that was the summer actually, where I uh, said I had my, my own event set up with the Teeny and the Gang parties. So um, Ibiza always played a big role and still plays a big role for my career, I would say. So when you threw the first Teeny and the Gang party, first of all, why did you decide to do your own party there? And what was the idea behind it at the time? Well, it's not exactly that I decided so. It was more, it got offered to me and it was an absolute dream because, um, well, I know the island and uh, back then it was all a bit more free and easy, daytime parties, fun, after hours, all the stuff. And um, yeah, there was this little beach shack and um, I actually played in that venue where I later had the party for a Fuse event. My friend Enzo Siragusa, he was inviting me. So um, I played a party there and the owner heard me and he loved it so he got in in, in touch with my other friend uh, Paula Poletto who also helped me back then to set up the party then yeah they were coming up with the idea of, of um, hosting my own party the very first name was Tini and Friends but that was too close to Luciano and Friends mm. so um, then I later had the idea with uh, I don't know we had a brainstorm and it somehow was Tini, Tini and the gang coming up and um, we started it and I had a quite huge lineup back then also with the help um, yeah the, the the all the contacts I had through dice and so it was Josh wing playing for me and Tommy Neumann and Magda and um, yeah it was uh, it was crazy for me as such a newcomer in the scene still to to host my own event and um, having such a lineup in a free beach party and this was quite a a new thing to happen on the island as well. A free beach party. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. It was absolutely so free. So even at the time, was Ibiza considered a commercial or expensive place to club? Um, let's say it was never cheap. I know people now complain a lot more, but um, it did definitely get more expensive than it used to be and uh, more restricted and everything. But it was never a super cheap... I mean... I never got the super hippie times. I came too late for that. Let's say it, it was a bit more chill than it is now. Okay. Or, yeah, or, yeah. So even at the times, now we're sitting in Berlin and we're talking about Ibiza, which I think represent two different uh, worlds or approaches, Absolutely. crudely put. Um, and now we're at this point in Ibiza. Ibiza really represents like commercial clubbing and also EDM. Um, but at the time, I'm getting the sense that there was the dominant culture wasn't necessarily like um, EDM on billboards, and it was still Luciano and sounds that are more associated with the quote-unquote underground. Mm, yes and no, because there was always the 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 big uh, EDM artists also hosting their parties, as far as I can remember. Of course, it was. I don't know how long uh, David Guetta is now on the island and all this, but um, I mean, of course, probably was George Morell and all them before, but I 
don't remember vividly because I literally didn't care that much about that. It was just going there, enjoying myself. And also, yeah, the more you get into the business, the more people ask questions and then you think about stuff differently and um, you you get to see the political background mm. behind the party scene so back then I think I literally was absolutely carefree so I can <laughs> I can tell you if it was uh, so so it was a bit different but I think it, it was always a mixture of both it was never but just did it feel like two yeah. separate worlds even when you were on the island like it sounds like you didn't interface EDM didn't approach your experience of Ibiza very much no but it still really doesn't if I don't want to hear EDM I don't have to hear EDM sure I mean so the so you you can still find your way through it's not completely merged I would say so there's separation still happening although some of the artists out of our scene now move into clubs and share the clubs with other big EDM artists so this is where the merge happens but I usually don't attend these events we're approaching the singularity folks <laughs> uh, so I guess what I'm sort of getting at is a context for how what your party the space that it occupied and um in on Ibiza and then we can get into other points but your party seems to represent a different kind of mindset than what is associated with Ibiza at this time. So you mentioned that it was a free beach party. So having a free party is sort of anti-commercial. And was it important to you then to um, represent and to embody and practice anti-commercial and therefore somewhat, quote-unquote, underground values? Um, yes and no, because all I was interested in, or all I am interested in, is having a good party with the right people and the right music in the right setting. So um, I wouldn't consider myself as, as the one starting to fight for the underground on the island, but I was happy that I was or am a part of that I would movement, I would say, I don't know. Um, for me, it was really great, because since it was a free party there was not so much pressure so I was more free in the programming which uh, enabled me to invite uh, artists who usually would never get to play on the island I mean we started with quite a big uh, lineup and then it started becoming more and more really a platform for newcomers or, or unheard people on the island or just friends that I would love to have around me when I host my party or their music I love. This was really amazing to have zero pressure on our shoulders and, and just have this kind of party. But I never saw it as as an anti-movement. I did realize that it was because people were more and more talking about it and appreci appreciating it so much because it is indeed uncommon that you offer something back. But to me, this should be natural because we're taking so much out of the scene. So in that moment where you can give something back and I saw it a bit in the same way career-wise because I got offered all these amazing opportunities back then. So in the second where I had the position that I could build a platform for other people then I saw I, I I saw this as a nice opportunity to give something back so right that's the overall idea of of, of the gang thing I would say even if you don't consciously want to confront or go against the grain of the tide of culture um, it seems that when you aren't responding to it or going along with that tide then you're gonna come 
against some pushback from the dominant culture. And I guess I'm referring now to the police shutting down Teeny and the gang as a free beach party, right? Isn't yeah. that what happened? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, there, there is a change and... Um, it's difficult to say from where it exactly it came from. I mean, definitely, you know, there were some rumors that other big clubs wanted to shut us down because we had too many people at the beach. But our our crowd was a complete different than, than the, the one that would go into these big clubs, you know. So um, there was a lot of rumors about it. And I'm, I'm careful with saying anything why this happened. But yeah, in general, it, it feels like they're, they're cleaning up the island a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, in in my opinion, a bit more of a fun-free place because they're taking away what it was all about, like this partying under the sky, like in daytime party. Also, when I came for Ibiza, DC-10 had no roof, so you partied open <laughs> and planes would fly over your head and everyone screaming and it was very free. And now, um, yeah, now it's it's pretty controlled and, and, and trying to, to bring the island into a different direction in a certain way. But it's not that uh, they try to get rid of the underground or something. It's just, it's hard to sustain. Right. <laughs> Do you say sustain? I always yeah, use the word. Yeah, or maintain. Maintain, yeah. Um, it also seems like representing this, I'm going to use underground, even though it's not like my favorite word. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, We have to just do this right underground and mainstream or edm or something yeah, 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 yeah. um that that uh being a part of and representing this quote-unquote underground culture in an otherwise pretty mainstream and hostile environment um sort of seems to me to have placed you in an interesting place now in the context of dance music so i don't know if you'll agree and i'll be interested for your thoughts on this read but it seems to me like um for my peers here in Berlin who um, are very concerned with the least known artists and the most underground clubs that they barely even know who you are. And then people that I know who are actually into EDM also still don't really know, maybe some of them, but not really. Like, you exist in this middle ground for me, sort of. No, totally. I'm in a, in a gray area and... Um which is somehow amazing because um, I've been told that I'm one of the few artists that can combine the underground. I mean, I'm not the super underground, as you say, like the super mega unknown. And But um, I play with all the, the, the big guys and, and they all were very supportive throughout my career. So I'm playing big stages with Sven Veed or Karl or whoever. And uh, in the same time, I play really cool underground parties uh, in uh, Ukraine or whatever, or, or underground festivals. And um, so it is funny because um, I'm... I love to have that position because it lets me move very free also. I can't really do anything wrong. I can just do me. So, and with this, I would say I got quite far. So I, I never wanted to be either this way or that way. So I, I'm not ranting or shouting against the commercial or the underground because my heart beats uh, somewhere in the middle. I just love music and somewhat uh, my personality allows me to to participate in more uh, commercial events uh, is a sensitive word also but yeah as we put it like this but in the same time I'm also uh, I have my place with the 
cool kids. I don't know. <laughs> <Not that they're laughs> well, I think um, no. I mean, I let's. You know, it's I would difficult cool to say kids. because it, it makes it sound as if the underground is cool and the commercial is not cool. Right? But there's definitely cool people in the, <laughs> sure. in both ways or shitty people in the underground too. So, um, well, I uh, think it also speaks to the position of the style of music that you play. Like, do you mind if I call you a tech house DJ? Mm. Do you like minimal better? I mean, do you not like that? <laughs> I'm not a minimal DJ. Yeah, I'm probably more a tech house DJ, but um, I would say I play between house and techno. If that makes me a tech house DJ, I don't know. But tech house for me has a not amazing label, to right, be honest. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like for my perception is that tech house is, is sort of the first style from the quote unquote underground that was distinctly not EDM. That is sort of being let's call it appropriated or like accepted into like you say there are big room DJs who are unequivocally we can call them tech house DJs playing at the same clubs or at the same parties with the David Gettas and so on and that has made tech house a dirty word in like underground circles yeah which is weird because there is a genre such as tech house and there is amazing tech house music but it, I think it came a lot with the with the easy way of production and digital labels that um, then just stamped very loopy basic produced tracks as tech house so there's good tech house and bad there tech house absolutely so, is uh, yeah and uh, that's why it, it's uh, one of these words that could mean a lot but um, I don't know for me it also has a bit of a negative taste although yeah, the tech house in its origin, there's really, really amazing music. But when I hear them rolling, I don't even know how to put it. But um, yeah, I don't know where I or how I would call myself. So yeah, but probably for the super underground people, I'm an absolute tech house DJ. <laughs> so it's, I'm, that's the thing. Everyone always thinks differently about themselves or... Um, I don't know. I don't. I, and generally, I don't like this labeling. I just play music that I love, and there can be an absolute eighties tracks in there, and there can be house. I play a lot of dub techno too, and dubby stuff. I play ambient. So, am I a tech house DJ if I play all these styles? I don't know. I play a lot of house from the nineties, and does this make me a tech house DJ? Because there wasn't tech house back then, so I don't know. Tech house had this period <laughs> where it was getting. Um like it was it was too close to this commercial style of music and EDM and then people who considered themselves not EDM and defined themselves against that were um, created a stigma around that term and um, now I think we should reclaim that and I have a sense that there is a, a bit of a I don't know let's call it a comeback I don't know this all this labeling is is, is quite uh, uh, difficult for me and yeah I'm, I'm really in a gray zone but yeah I get to host my party at Club the Visionaire and I like for me it's one of the coolest clubs where I know that people who really care about music always want to play it's it's one of these places where you really aim totally. to have the possibility to play as an artist so I get to play uh, there and what was going on with okay. your career at the time well, that, that the teeny and the gang parties were developing in Ibiza? Well, um, and they were getting it, shut down specifically. Le, well, let's say um, for, for, the, for the longest time we were, because we started in 2010. I had no event in 2011 and then they shut it down later in 2015. Wow, I don't even know the dates right now. 
That's okay. The year of the closure. So um, let's say it it had a huge impact. The the Teeny and the Gang events had a huge impact on my career. I must say, um, more and more people got aware of me having this party or me as a DJ. So it was it was it was really picking up after this. And um, yeah, we we had moments where we had up to two thousand people. I think almost at the beach. So that was amazing, and uh, unfortunately, then yeah, we we had to to leave the beach. Um, authorities said no, no more, no more outdoor events, and no more daytime parties, or especially also no free daytime parties outdoor. So the whole combination was not amazing. But um, back in the days, we have we had um, carry on parties after the beach events at underground the club in Ibiza my favorite club in Ibiza to be honest and um, yeah we we started hosting our parties then now so somehow we really made the transition from free beach events to 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 a club show and I'm really happy so yeah upcoming month I host one weekly all September gonna be a teeny and the gang there Ten in total this summer, and they've been all amazing. Really good vibe. The people really know what they're going for. We have a lot of competition going on, and um, you can clearly see that um, the gang as a brand has a following now. People come for the music. People come for the special vibe we create. It's it's very like it's a family vibe. It's, there's no ego. There's no bullshit it's it's just hanging out with friends it's a gathering hanging out and um i'm super happy that we managed this transition because it was tough in the beginning right because um like i mentioned earlier perhaps because you were going uh you represented a, an ethos that had less and less place on the island or created more and more tension with the dominant cultural forces and the way that things were going and i was wondering if you also felt that tension in your career if you felt pushed uh, to to be more commercial or to acquiesce to commercial demands in ways that ever made you feel uncomfortable? Well, not really, because um, I always try to really, really be myself, or it's not that I try, I, I act out as I am as a person or as I want to be so I don't want to be pushed into a certain direction and if the business would have requested this I would have probably stepped back from from that career because for me it's super important to to be real and authentic as as the person that I am I always said that if if there's anything that doesn't feel right or or makes me become the person that I don't want to be um then I go back to my old job so it's not that I would sacrifice everything in order to to be a DJ was there ever a moment where you had to make a call like that that you feel comfortable talking about perhaps yes um probably um I don't remember exactly the the year <laughs> as always but yeah there was a time um when uh, it was about my my press pictures back then and um yeah they were uh, should have been a bit more feminine from from my management side and I did not really agree because if you know me as a person I'm rather boyish uh, I don't know how to put it out not really I mean <laughs> I was a bit against that and I did my own photo shooting with a friend of mine and I had this uh 
mustache tattoo, well, I still have it, on my finger from a long time ago, before it was a high. <laughs> and um, so I just took a picture with with my mustache finger in, in front of my face. And um, yeah, I knew that my my agency or management back then was pretty much against it. They said I could not or I shouldn't um, present myself uh, uh, like that in, in the internet. With like that, they probably meant gay. I don't know. And um, I saw absolutely not no point of not doing it and posted it sort of against their will. And it, 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 got, it took off somehow. People were like, okay, who is she, that curly girl with a mustache <laughs> tattoo on her finger? And um, yeah, I just... Uh, uh, didn't want to be pushed in 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 into something that I'm not, or or become an artist or seen as an artist that I'm not. So um, yeah. Did that moment with the press photo feel like a coming out moment for you? Um, not really, because um, I think I was always uh, quite openly out, um, but I didn't talk about it that much or say like hey look everybody I'm gay um, that's that's not really my style but I, I never never made a big secret out of that but it was of course making the possibility for the outside world a bit more uh, obvious. Pub, ob obvious or public so and um, I saw back then it was my space still which was big people were like commenting like oh do you think she's gay oh, is she? I saw also question you think teeny is a man and stuff like that I find it very amusing <laughs> and yeah but I I, um, I never wanted to make it a big topic so neither hiding from the topic nor pulling it putting it out there as, as a big thing like hey look because um, I define myself way through way more than just my sexuality so this is one big part though and yeah but uh, I wouldn't consider this uh, as, a, as a coming out you know right it's funny to hear a story where someone is pressuring you to present more femme let's call it yeah um for the sake of promoting your dj career given that now it's my perception that there's a lot to gain in a personal in a social and certainly in a professional sense in this particular industry to present as gay or to incorporate a gay aesthetic even if that's not a part of your lifestyle privately. Um, yeah. And I was wondering if you had also noticed this kind of, it seems like now you're indicating there was a paradigm shift that happened in a way, that now things are different in that sense. A little bit. I mean, what's good about the movement, I would say, is um, everything becomes a bit more of a safe space for, for, for the gay community. Um, but somehow, maybe some people, uh, I don't know how to put it. It's well, perhaps not to say that there necessarily are people who are acting gay when they're not or something, but yeah. certainly that that's an opportunity. There are things to be gained. I think it is given in light of uh, the commercialization of gay culture at large, that it's clear and indisputable that there are commercial gains to be made and money to be made off of um, incorporating a gay aesthetic, whether you're a corporation that's going to sponsor um, or like put slap a, a rainbow flag on your bottle of vodka, or maybe if you're an underground DJ who yes. I just don't I don't think that there would that a young woman 
a young gay woman coming up today in underground DJing would be encouraged to present femme in the same way. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree on that. And, um, well, there's this great term also with pink washing for it. And um, you could see it at uh, Christopher Street Day probably as well. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a topic among my friends as well. But in the same time, you must see the positive thing, side of it as well, that um, now these days everyone, really everyone is uh, welcome and uh, has the possibility to become uh, a big artist or, or uh, start off a career without any restrictions. Mm. And I think... Um, I would love to talk about this, but I just really don't know how to put it, you know? Yeah, like, totally. It, I find that the queer scenes, loosely speaking, again, these terms like underground and EDM and mainstream, it's, it's hard, but let's just go along with it for the sake of, uh, we all know what I'm talking about, um, that there are more gay parties in techno, at least in Berlin. Those parties tend to be more techno-oriented or experimental club music-oriented. And what I'm getting at is actually that, like, on the one hand, tech house or minimal or whatever you call it does not seem to have a place in at those parties. So queer parties don't seem to book tech house DJs. And then also it is my perception that there is not as much of a gay or lesbian scene in Ibiza or in tech house parties like CDV doesn't have a, a queer night, an explicitly queer night. And I was wondering if uh, what your experience with the interaction between those two cultures are and if there is a lesbian or a gay scene in tech house in Ibiza and so on. Well, there is uh, not really, uh, well, Ibiza, I would say you have La Troya and the stuff, but um, with our kind of music or the music, the tech house music that I play, <laughs> um, there's actually not. So I'm bringing a concept now to Ibiza that is originally uh, uh, has started in, in Barcelona. It's called Maricas. It's the party of my friends. It's queer, open, everything. Tell me about Maricas then. What's the vibe at Maricas? Oh, so Maricas um, party has been started from my friends in Barcelona because they were also seeing the lack of... Um, let's say, quality electronic music, rather put it like that, um, in the gay scene. And, um, yeah, they started off booking underground artists, but for the for the gay queer community. And it got really well received. So they have an amazing crowd there. And, um, yeah, bringing back the, the, the vibe a little bit more because it was sort of a lack in, in Barcelona as well. And yeah, Ibiza used to be way more colorful as I remember it. And um, also the, the, the big gay parties were the huge clubs and now they all moved to smaller locations and there's not really 
so much going on anymore. And yeah, so I kind of team up now and we gonna have a Marikas and the Gang event at Underground. It's gonna be next week in September. And um, we have Isabella who's running the Marikas party in Barcelona and Handmade here from from Berlin and are gonna play as well and just see how that goes. And uh, it's not restricted to, 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 uh, to a certain crowd. So of course everyone's welcome. But just to to try to bring a little bit more of, of the queer gay events back to the island and with a different music than it's usually happening in, in Ibiza especially. Did you used to, or especially when you were coming up, did you get booked at gay or lesbian events often? Actually not um, working my way there. <laughs> no, um, I used to play a bit more in Munich in, in gay events. But um, since I'm not super promoting myself as a gay artist, because I think that shouldn't matter if I'm a woman or a man or if I'm gay or straight, um, I should be booked for my music, first of all. But um, yeah, since I'm not super promoting myself as a queer artist, um, maybe I'm not really on the radar. But well, yeah, my friend's party, the Marikas, I'm going to play there as well now. So yeah. It's uh, usually I get booked for, well, how you call it, and straight-oriented parties. Yeah. Uh, but um, I do also wonder if that's a symptom of my suspicion that uh, Ibiza, minimal tech house, etc. is a somewhat straighter or overtly explicitly straighter scene than um, techno or underground techno, so to speak. Mm, yes, I mean, I think it was quite different back in the days in Ibiza, but now it definitely, let's say, is. But it's also wild assumptions. But um, from my experience, uh, I can only speak about myself. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, missing a little bit uh, the gay crowd. Have you started getting booked more often? Like, do there seem to be more gay or lesbian parties or more gay or lesbian parties that are interested in booking you? Is this become something that you play more often or it's still something that you mostly interface with through your own active involvement, like doing Marikas? I think it's it's more my active involvement. Mm -hmm. um, did you find with Marika, so you said you... Uh, we're very deliberate in, in saying that it's not just for gay people or lesbians or queer people or whatever. Um, did you feel that it was important or why was it important for you guys to make it an inclusive party in this way rather than making it a deliberately and consciously gay and or lesbian party? Because this is exactly what I personally would like to avoid is, is to exclude anyone because music is for everyone and, and you can only create a good vibe with good people and, and it shouldn't matter if, if you only allow the gay crowd and then that would be really upsetting you know that would be a step backwards it should be it should be partying together as if it doesn't matter it's um the labeling only happens so they know they have a safe space to come i'd say mm -hmm. or or find like-minded people but to to exclude every anyone from this would yeah would 
would be the wrong way to to go, I think. And in your personal life, has it been important for you to have a a a, sp- a group of people of around you, like like-minded queer women around you? Well, I must say that 90% of my friends are gay. <laughs> so, uh, or lesbian. I, I use the term gay. And um, so it's, it's, it's a big part of my life, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by my, my gang girl, a girl gang all the time. It's not that I only choose this because I am gay. It's, it's just, yeah, it happens, but... Um, so you mentioned that the next Marika's party is actually this weekend, right? Exactly. It's going to be on Sunday in Barcelona in a small location. Who else is playing? It's going to be Omar from Uruguay and Ooh. Isabella and me. Awesome. Um, what else have you got coming up this month, this year? What else can we expect from the world of Teeny then? Well, yeah, a part of uh, starting off with this and then taking the whole crew also to Ibiza, as mentioned. Um, yeah, we're going to finish up the Ibiza season. I have two more, um, six more shows coming up on the island and uh, lots of bookings, uh, as always. So pretty much uh, taking Teeny and the Gang brand around. We're going to have one also at Robert Johnson in September. And um, yeah, apart from this, um, I'm really excited for my label. And um, is there like a can is there a range a date range when we might is it maybe this fall this winter that we might see that record yeah well the test pressing i pick up today okay, so cool. if it sounds nice it should be out in october awesome yeah okay very cool yeah, yeah i'm excited for oops and and you've also started tattooing on the side right oh yeah i did <laughs> um i'm not amazing yet but it's also not uh, well are hopefully going to get better but um, people know what they <laughs> what they have to expect when I tattoo them so I'm <laughs> quite rookie in this but yeah working my way through but it's just yeah this is a fun hobby I started but it's it's actually amazing how many people write me and really want to tattoo now so if it doesn't work out with the music anymore I might just <laughs> start as a tattoo artist so yeah